Hello and welcome back to another episode of the New Player Podcast, where each week I introduce my friend Jose to another video game. That's Jose. What's up? And this week we're going to be talking about SSX Tricky, but before we bring out our guest, I wanted to check in with you, Jose. Just kind of generally, how are you feeling about games? I'm enjoying them a lot, actually. I, really? I didn't think I was going to enjoy them as much. Has there been a, a standout so far? I think number one on your list, I have it up here. Number one so far is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Would you say that that's still... I think I'm going to... This one's going to take number one. Interesting. Okay. Well, spoiler. Despite me being some... It's so shit out of it. You know, some of the things we talked about whenever we first started were like games maybe feeling like a waste of time or just kind of maybe too hard. Do just the barriers that were there before we started this podcast feel like they're still there do you think anything's changed i mean to a point i I still think they they're a waste of time but it's like anything else you know like if you do something too much we've spoken about this before like movies can be a waste of time if that's all you do but I don't know, it's a form of entertainment and just doing it while we hang out or something. It's I, I like it. I definitely like it. Yeah. Speaking of movies, I'm going to date the episode a little bit. We saw Black Adam last night. Mm. What do you think is a bigger waste of time, Black Adam or SSX Tricky? I'm still going to go with SSX. <laughs> <laughs> I would go with Black Adam, but that really? says how much we oh, thought wow, about the okay. movie. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's a whole like, conversation in and of itself, but... <laughs> In terms of, you know, we got a beat-em-up with TMNT, mm-hmm. what would you call Sonic? More of a, a platformer of its own genre, and then a racing game with this, and then Metal Gear Solid, more of like a stealth action game. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you have more of a, a vibe of what kind of games you like, or what about a certain game will draw you into it? Well, it's definitely the graphics, uh, the animation, and then uh, the story and how you play the game. Sorry, you're into the games. I'm so sticking with those, but I am really enjoying these uh, racing games for like TMNT and stuff like that. So about we, we talked a little bit about the graphics last week with uh, Metal Gear Solid, mm-hmm. and I wanted to talk a little bit more about it. When Whether it's a movie or a game, when the aesthetics and the look of it are kind of holding you back is it do you think it's mainly an immersion thing is it a you can't really you can't really lock into the other things that the story or whatever it is is doing if there's that kind of initial i don't like the way this looks i can't fully merge into it and that's a lot with that's why i can't get into anime either because of the animation Mm, Uh, i'm very picky when it comes to animation even with uh, i love comic books even with comic books like the art style has to be like appealing to me otherwise I'm, i'm probably not gonna read it I didn't know it extended to comic books too. That's interesting. Is there anything else like, um, I guess music that, well, and music is interesting because if, if I don't like the way that like an old movie looks, I might still appreciate it for either its time or its story or like what it was doing. Mm-hmm. But I feel like music doesn't have that same, because uh-uh. you like it or you don't. Yeah, exactly. Huh. That actually yeah. just changed my opinion on it too. Because <laughs> that is a good argument for either you like something or you don't just kind of as a whole um but i've always been like with metal gear solid the graphics i really didn't like looking at those graphics Mm -hmm. but i did kind of like the the gameplay itself i agree with that though no like again if it was better graphics the gameplay would have been fine Mm. and let me go back and say before like we've spoken about this as well but I don't necessarily think they're a waste of time. It's the whole Scorsese versus what was it? It's it's changed this week, but last week it was Martin versus Marvel. Okay, so I I, I agree with that. I don't necessarily. I'm not gonna put him all the way down to waste of time. You know. Okay, I mean that's fair enough. Yeah, and SSX tricky next week. Uh, tentatively, it might change by the time we get there, but we might be talking about Spore, which is a PC game. And later in the season, we've got Stardew Valley. I don't know if you've heard of either of those, but they're more. They're a type of game that is. I'll, I'll jump ahead a little bit, and one thing I, I saw the creator of SSX Tricky saying is, we're not telling a story, 
we're creating an experience. And I think that definitely comes true with this game. And with something like Spore and Stardew Valley, it's similar where it's more slice of life and more... it's, it's more selling you an experience rather than just a straight story. Um, and I wonder if those games will connect, even if the graphics or other things aren't there. But it, we'll see when we get there. So besides graphics, is there anything in terms of gameplay mechanics that kind of draws you in? Uh, again, it has to be more like an, let me like emerge into the game. Uh, something like Last of Us, Red Dead, God of War, stuff like that. Uh, but even other games I do... Uh, like I said before, with uh, TMNT and Sonic, I do appreciate them more now, even if it's not like emerging me into it. It's just like it's something I'm doing. It's something I want to get good at to pass the time. So, yeah, with those three, Red Dead, uh, Last of Us and God of War, those are three very story based games. Do you we talked about this with with Sonic and with TMNT about just kind of the doing it over and over again until you get it, that pattern recognition yeah. that I'm definitely drawn to games for. Do you feel any of that? Just the pure, not necessarily competition, but just the I need to get to the next level or I need to get the amount of points. Do you feel any of it on that level, even if there might not? be a story like just the pure i need to like get good i was actually thinking about that as we were were playing this and i'm like i don't know why i just like when you when you guys were unlocking and getting like extra points for doing tricks and stuff uh, and I, I noticed I was just like racing and I was just racing to the finish line. I didn't care about the tricks. And I was like, interesting. Okay. If I, but then towards the end, I did want to do tricks. I don't know. I don't know if that responded to your question. Uh, no, that does. Cause I wonder if it's more, you want, you want kind of that movie experience and it's just kind of an offshoot mm-hmm. of movies. Or if there is something else about games that maybe just draws in a particular kind of person. I wouldn't necessarily say off of movies. I would say in storytelling in general. Okay. Because again, sense. I can do comic books. I can do that's true. as long as it's like story driven I'm gonna be like interested in it but yeah no I think my liking for video games despite it not being story driven I think it's, it's growing for sure so the pure competition element do you feel that growing as well at all or not as much I think it's always been there I just didn't really care for it that much okay yeah, yeah in terms of like getting fake points in a snowboarding game does it feel like why bother but then again I used to like I did used to enjoy playing like phone games like okay. when I was like in high school and middle school like uh, subway surfer and like temple run and stuff like that so i don't know i don't know why so so different with the controller than it is on the phone because yeah especially nowadays so much of games has talked about the story the immersion the Mm -hmm. characters but the whole other side of that is just whatever it is about a points-based system or a objective-based system we talked uh whenever we first talked about the whole games as art conversation we talked about it being the crystallization of something that being an art form and i argued that games could be the crystallization of achievement and like objective do you feel any of that like kind of like dopamine spike or oh i did it whenever you clear a level in Sonic or defeat an enemy in TMNT, clear, yeah. you know, an area in Metal Gear Solid. For sure. Okay. And, uh, yeah, especially, like, when I'm, when I'm really struggling with something and then I finally get there, I remember in Sonic, it was, like, there was this uh, hill and I had to jump up and every time I would fall over every single that. time. And I would get so irritated with that. But then when I finally did it, I was like, okay, like, I felt that happening this coming, you know. Like, Didn't I do that for you? The first time, yes. Okay. So you you cleared it the first time, and then I played it again. <laughs> I hoarded that dopamine to myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I wanted to check in just to see, you know, I wonder how much of it is just kind of a... The things we habitually do as kids can just kind of feel, they can feel good without really thinking about what's feeling good about them. And I feel like something like SSX Tricky is a great example of that. But going back with these games as, you know, 
as an adult I was curious if it is starting to grow or if it's more just you already knew what games were going into this and it just feels kind of the same I guess it's more so like simplicity versus again having to memorize what every button does I think that's a big part of me not really liking video games the the, the fact that I can't really like memorize those those things and then on the phone is just like again going back to like Temple Run. I would even though it's not story driven, I would emerge my my mind into like oh this is like kind of like Indiana Jones or whatever. And it was just like literally like you're just running collecting little coins. Because so. the controller for each game has been a that's been like the first big thing we have to overcome mm-hmm. is whether it's the emulator controller we were doing for Sonic and TMNT or the PlayStation controller for Metal Gear Solid and now the GameCube controller for this. It does suck that you haven't gotten used to one controller. That's kind of cool, though, that I've been using every single, like, because I've never, I've used, like, the PlayStation 1 and a couple others, but now I'm actually, like, having to, despite the fact that I don't like it and I can't memorize them, I like that it's, it's something different every time. Do you feel like you're kind of getting a sense of the language of just a controller with the sticks and everything? Does it feel like things are transferring between games or more? Do you feel like you're, you're reinventing the wheel each time that you pick up a new controller? No, it's for the most, I mean, for the most part, it's the trigger ones and then a major button in the middle and the joystick. So it's true. Like, it's kind of, it translates to each different controller. But I was, uh, I was telling our, our mutual friend that we saw Black Adam with last night, Damien, who will be on a future episode, that it seems like there there's initially that question of just what do I do? Like you're talking about memorization where it just takes time to learn these Mm -hmm. uh, patterns with like snowboarding tricks or whatever it is. But it seems like those instincts are getting faster and faster with just looking around. And yeah, definitely. Especially after playing the the game for like a few rounds, it's like, okay, I'm able to dodge this. I'm able to go around. I'm able to like do all this stuff. Yeah. And happening faster and faster. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, SSX Tricky. This game was chosen by our guest, writer extraordinaire, just general cool guy heading out to uh to portland oregon pretty soon but we got him on the pod before he uh before he makes his exit and today we're joined by eli nash what's up eli hey guys i'm doing well thank you for having me on the podcast glad to talk about ssx tricky baby hell yeah let's get tricky (laughs) it's tricky to rock a rhyme to rock a rhyme that's right on time Well, speaking of getting tricky, tell me a little bit about what made you choose this game, just kind of your relationship with games in general. I know you're not, you know, a huge gamer, but what made you pick this one? I really don't have much of a history of video games. This isn't, this is definitely a child's game, but I did not discover it until I was in college at the tender age of 19. (laughs) And I fell for it right away, courtesy of my former roommate, Eric. Thank you to him. And I found that there is just something about the the natural need at least in me to compete and be better than everyone even in a meaningless virtual world that <laughs> hasn't left me into adulthood and you know with tricky it's it's all about just i you know there's the racing aspect and i never really played the racing aspect of the game we can talk about the two kind of versions races versus tricks I was always a trick-oriented guy. I always wanted to see those numbers climb. I always wanted to beat my previous high score, beat whoever I was with. And it's a game with such simple controls and such basic pretty much everything that it's really easy to get to go from not knowing anything at all to being good at it quickly. And I think that's what made this game... That's what made me fall in love with this game right away is that uh, I didn't have to really try much at all 
to be decent at it. And that's the perfect kind of thing for a you know lazy, lowbrow guy like me, <laughs> a way to rack up fake points real quick. Yeah, I even noticed that whenever you first came in, you were relearning the controls. And then by the end, I'd, I've been playing this for about the past night or so, just trying to unlock more characters so that we have more people to play with. But by the end, like I could not beat you, and you beat me in the in the show off uh, points race. Damn. And yeah, it's it's a very pick up and go. One thing I want to, whenever we get there, that I want to talk about is last week we played Metal Gear Solid, which is clearly an auteur's singular vision, and you either like it or you don't. Whoa, whoa are you telling me that SSX Trick is not an auteur's <laughs> singular vision? <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> But also <laughs> is produced by EA, so it definitely meant to be, you know, more mainstream appeal. So there's definitely that element to it. But based on what me and Jose were talking about, do you feel like you have that if there is some kind of competitive draw to games? Do you think that's something that sets someone who's interested in games apart? I know that I have a an extreme competitive drive that is not by any means healthy, and <laughs> it will come out in any field that it can. It's like, you know, they talk about stories about like how like Michael Jordan's gambling addiction, how he just gamble on anything at all. Right. It didn't have to be like an organized casino game. It would just be, you know, we all saw Last Dance, the thing where he like throws a coin near the wall. Who can throw the coin closest? to the wall oh that's who wins it's there are certain people i think who are so competitive that they will seize anything no matter how trivial it seems as an outlet for that competitive drive and that's me i don't think it's a good thing i want to be clear i think i and michael jordan and all of these people are unhealthy individuals but that's the nature of the thing and i i know plenty of people for whom that's just not the case and i wonder if i know some of those people still like video games but they often enjoy less competitive type of video games more the I don't know, there's a sort of genre of like leisurely paced video games that are usually more focused on comfy like cozy. Ours. Comfy cozy is the perfect yeah. word for it. And I know plenty of people who are drawn to those games and don't really have the competitive drive. So I don't know if that's like a prerequisite for being into video games. But for me, as somebody who doesn't play many video games, if you want to get me interested in one, it needs to have some aspect where I can feel better than I deserve to feel at the end. That's true, because the, the main thing people point to with video games is escapism, which something is something that we haven't really touched on yet. But do you think that if you were to give more attention or power to video games with that competitive edge, you would fall into them? Or have you just avoided them due to like lack of interest? I mean, for me, there is an escapist idea in that I'm escaping from, like, the fact that I'm a loser in real life, and so I can feel like a winner through Jeez, these venues. Jeez, I get dark. <laughs> I feel like... I, I definitely... I, I've, I know many people who are far more into video games than me. I've lived with people who are far more into video games than Same me. Same here, unfortunately. And I get drawn into the worlds that I see them playing in. I can you know, pass by the TV and be sidetracked for a little while watching them, but not to a degree that I feel I need to get that myself. And I'm somebody who, in general, I feel like my, my attention is hard to hold for a long time. And I think adding that competitive aspect is the key for me getting into it, which is why a game that's 
seemingly very simple like SSX Tricky could have more appeal to me than, for example, like a Skyrim, which I can acknowledge from seeing other people play it is a beautifully designed game that appears to have a great deal of well-thought-out story and world-building behind it. But for a casual person, and certainly a casual passerby like me, that's a little bit of a harder in, I think, because it is so immersive, but that immersion takes time to really get invested in, I feel, whereas something that's very simple and latches on to the kind of competitive aspect that comes through any game that anyone played as a child, I feel may be an easier in for outsiders, and I wonder if that's part of what maybe made this game a standout to Jose, because from what I understand... I've picked the winner thus far. <laughs> it sounds which, like it. And as, a, as an unhealthily competitive person, that makes me feel great. <laughs> That's so crazy, though, because I think we stand at a pretty close distance uh, from like not liking video games. and But I think like we're, at the same time, complete opposites because what draws you in is what turns me off with video games. Mm, interesting. And then that being the, the just like the the scores and the points and the stuff like that. Oh, and w- with uh, you said Horizon, right? Uh, well, that's I said Skyrim. Skyrim. But Horizon is another one that I've seen. Is the Skyrim play, the one with the robot animals? I think that's Horizon. That's Horizon. Horizon. Yeah. yeah. So which Skyrim one's... is like a fantasy kind of like a Lord of the Rings type. There's game. a dragon aspect to it. Yeah. Okay. But I feel like that is what would bring me into the, being interested in the game and playing the game. And I wonder if I had a. I don't own a gaming console, and I wonder if I did and I had the time to really, you know, explore a video game on my own, if I might get more involved. But as somebody who doesn't have a gaming console of my own, I'm always playing games at somebody else's house, yes, which are, you know, by definition, that's in short couple of hour visits at most. And mm-hmm. so in that circumstance, I feel like it's harder to get immersed in those games and also those are in many cases single player games and i can't really be like hey thanks for inviting me over man can you leave for <laughs> the rest of the afternoon can you watch while me play this game i hang out in skyrim Cough, it seems Richard. like really cool <laughs> um and and i i wonder if i was in a position to give those kind of video games a chance if i would get into them i feel like i could but i feel like it would it's not the kind of thing that's easy to immediately jump into in just a split second, which is yeah. a big thing separating, you know, non-gamers from gamers. And if you if your gaming experience is going to be entirely had through other people's consoles, I think getting into one of those more immersive and what feels like more personal games, because they are very much about taking an individual journey through this world. I think for somebody who experiences video games as a passerby, that's they're not going to be able to get as much out of that. And if if they can even start exploring that to begin with. Because like I said, I you know how many people are going to go, yeah, take on this single-player game while I just dip out of here for a while and right. let you use my stuff. And that's similar to Ash, who we were talking to in our first episode, who, uh, although he also comes at it from a different uh, direction, which is he feels like he would get so into video games that he doesn't get a console because he thinks they would just take over his life. So I, I'm realizing how many different people have super specific relationships to games. I guess it's something that I assumed before getting into this podcast was kind of a universal thing, but it seems like everybody has a really specific 
relationship to them, which is cool to see. And I think you did, I think the big takeaway from what you were saying about The Last Dance is you are the Michael Jordan of this podcast and you did pick (laughs) so far the perfect game. Uh, So so let's get into it. Let's get into SSX Turkey. Uh, This game came out in 2001 on PlayStation 2, GameCube, and Xbox. So this is three years after Metal Gear Solid and already the graphics, huge improvement. Huge, huge improvement. Uh, The genre is racing. The format, I didn't really have a good one for this. So as you said, track-based because it's not like it's open world. Mm -hmm. It depends what track you're on. But let's start with racing. We haven't known a racing game yet. How did that feel? I mean, again, I was familiar with this game from when I was a kid. We should say that, yeah. So yeah. What, what is your exposure to SSX Tricky? So they actually used to have this game at the dentist I used to go to in the waiting room. And as a kid, you could just, they had like the like playroom. So I'd literally just go in there and play it and fucking lose, of course. <laughs> I would love playing this game. And then now I'm playing it, what, like 12, 13 years later. It's like, that's yeah. crazy. That's a great waiting room game, just to kill For time. Real? Yeah. And I guess that's also why I never really got into the, the scores and the ratings. I just wanted to race. Right. I just wanted to get to the finish line. But. Yeah, to kill like 15 minutes. Yeah. yeah. See, I would have been trying to get to the top of that waiting room <laughs> ranking. My teeth can wait. I gotta be, I gotta be Dr. So-and-so's top patient. <laughs> Uh, and then in terms of there wasn't, you know, a huge world to explore. Uh, it was just the different tracks. But this type of, I guess, overall atmosphere of you just have the characters and then whatever track you're on. Did that, was that enough of a pull? Did that feel like there's not enough here to latch on to? How did you feel about the world? Well, it's actually kind of crazy because I do really like racing games in general. Hmm. Uh, the world itself, I think it's pretty creative. I like that they let you like upgrade the characters and their snowboards and you can like unlock every stuff like that so i like that yeah unlocking is a big part of this game um which i was desperately trying to do and i I found really hard i found parts of this game really really hard yeah if i owned this game i would have probably never unlock anything and just be the basic (laughs) (laughs) that was me as a kid so this was a kind of childhood staple for me and i only played the first course over and over and over again kind of like with uh i was saying with wind waker in our in our intro episode where i just only ever played that home island mission uh, again and again but yeah i liked getting back into this game um so this is part of a series an ssx series the previous one was ssx released in 2000 for the playstation 2 as a launch game and it was a really big hit this is often called eli you were even saying that it's called uh SSX 1.5 because it's kind of a sequel and it's traditionally called SSX 2 but a big criticism of it is that it just rehashes a lot of the original game as almost a port and adds like two new tracks most of the tracks are the same and then a couple new characters I think the characters might be the biggest upgrade that it has in addition to the trick system the developer is EA Canada and the publisher is EA Sports big which is great to see the director of this game i couldn't find the director of this game but it was created by steven recht schaffner uh it also seemed like there's a a making of section of the disc on this game and it talks a little bit about how he came up with the idea and it seemed like he organized snowboarding events and to kind of be like bmx events and that gave him the idea for this game as far as i understood which is cool to see before we continue i just want to point out that Apparently, SSX stands for (laughs) Snowboarding, Surfing, and Motocross, despite the fact that in every single game in this series, there's only snowboarding. There are no motocross bikes and certainly no waves to be ridden anywhere, but he still went with snowboarding, surfboarding, motocross. Do you think it was because it was so close to sex that it was like, this will get people in the door? Hey, SSX sells. 
SSXO. Sounds better than S for sure. <laughs> I did find out. Um, so Mixmaster Mike, who was a DJ for the Beastie Boys, did a lot of the music for this game. And if you do a complicated button mashing on the title screen, you unlock him as a playable character. What? And you snowboard on his DJ table. What? Super cool. Yeah, I'll show you all after. Wow. Wow, I can't believe I didn't know that. That's amazing. <laughs> because the hip-hop tie-in here is wild. They got one of the best songs of all time. Oh, yeah. They, they got, got tricky. It's tricky. And they had Mixed Master Mike behind it all, all the whole time. I had no idea. So some other games that came out during this time, this was... Again, I feel like I say this every episode, but a great year for games. Uh, in 2001, Halo Combat Evolved came out, GTA 3 came out, Metal Gear Solid 2 came out, Sons of Liberty, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3, which is kind of similar to SSX, and Super Smash Bros. Melee, which was another uh, childhood staple of mine. And uh, so some other things just in the gaming industry going on in 2001, uh, companies like Xbox start to focus on online gaming. Sega's kind of shuddering up at this point, but they experimented with online gaming with, it wasn't an all-encompassing service like Xbox Live. I forget their name for it. I think it was like Sega Net or something, but they would have particular companies within each country do their own online service. And it seemed like it was doing okay. They released the Dreamcast, which was the first console to have a built-in modular modem for internet access and online play in 98. And by 2001, uh, Reuters reported that they had an estimated 800,000 online users uh, playing its games by that uh, by the middle of 2001. So online gaming is definitely getting started. Xbox Live wouldn't be debuted until 2002, so that's still on its way. Um, the Dreamcast was discontinued in this year, but they're they're still coming out with those Sonic games. So. And then the very first uh, online RPG game for game consoles called Fantasy Star Online came out in 2000. And by 2001, it has 300,000 worldwide users. So we're getting into the, the current age of video games, which is not only 3D graphics, which started with the last game we played, but online play. So that's what's going on in 2001 when SSX Tricky drops. Um, we've gotten a little bit of your first impressions, but just uh, generally before we throw it to a break and get into the, the meat of SSX, what were some of your first impressions playing this? It's a fun game. I'm not the best at it. I definitely need to to play it a little bit more to get the groove of it, but it's a, it's a fun game for sure. Hell yeah. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and throw it to a break, and then we'll get into some of the specifics and, and what we really liked about this game, and we'll be right back on the New Player Podcast. Welcome to SSX Tricky. This is going to be fun. This is gonna be very, very interesting. We are back. Alright, so this is going to be very, very interesting. We are talking about SSX Tricky. Real quick before we dive in, overview of the game's story. The main character, you got 12 to choose from. Elise, Mac, Kaori, Zoe, Moby, JP, Simon, Eddie, Sia, Luther, Marisol, and Brody. The goal? Win races and do tricks. And the, uh, the quote on the back of the box for this game is resist gravity. So that's exactly what we did. Also in the break, we went ahead and played as Mixmaster Mike. How did that feel? Mixmaster Mike is definitely overpowered in this game. He oh, yeah. handles very smoothly. Uh, I like that he's carrying the DJ equipment <laughs> on his back <laughs> as he snowboards down a mountain doing multiple flips. 
He's a multi-talented guy. My respect for Mixmaster Mike has only increased. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I listened to the uh, behind-the-scenes thing, them talking about the music for this game. And he's a, uh, either a skier or a snowboarder himself. And he said that when he goes down, I think he was saying Whistler Mountain or something, he'll mix his own beats beforehand and then put them on a cassette or whatever it was at the time. And then listen to him as he goes down the mountain to his own music. And I'm like, that's that's hard. That's cool. Damn, yeah. So uh, before we dive into the mechanics, which is the main part of this game, uh, Jose, how did the how did the world, the characters? That's really all there is in terms of story. How did those feel? Uh, I think they were pretty simple. They were to the point where you're just like you pick a character, it does this, and that's that's it's pretty straightforward. Who was your go-to? What was his name again? The guy with the afro. Afro was Eddie. Played by David, David Arquette. Arquette. <laughs> I kept hearing that the entire year, so I thought I was the actual person there. <laughs> yeah, me, me and Eli were astounded by the voice cast and kept commenting on it throughout the game. Some of the star-studded cast for this game is Oliver Platt voicing Luther, Billy Zane as Brody, and Lucy Liu as Elise, who is kind of the, I guess, the main star of uh of the series she introduces that that cinematic and she's the she's like very early 2000s level hot like just that kind of slicked back hair like trinity from the matrix and uh this is uh real quick while we're talking about characters this is lucy Liu talking about her role as elise and it is the most early 2000s video game marketing thing i've ever seen i'm lucy Liu. And I'm here doing this voiceover for this amazing game. Amazing game. You have great taste. You have great taste. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know the graphics and the way that it was set up was going to be so specific. And I didn't realize that, I guess, video games are their own genre. That's really fantastic. And that's really fantastic. I never would have expected it to be as amazing as it was. I'm really excited to see how it turns out. It's fun to be something that's completely different. That's completely different. Somewhat over the top. Because she can be cool even though she's kind of full of bravado. She's a puffy peacock. She's a puffy peacock. But she seems to rock. She seems to rock out. And if you feel like you want to be a bad girl, you can sort of click into her, you know? Click into her, you know? <laughs> so my... <laughs> my... My... My theory... You laughing made me want to laugh, and then I look away and you're holding your laughter like, fuck. <laughs> my theory for that sound clip is they like caught her as she was walking to her car or something and was like what do you think about ssx tricky and she gave them like a 20 second sound bite and then the guy who mixed this together his job was make it two minutes and make it hot <laughs> <laughs> and so everything was just uh i guess video games are their own genre their own genre their own genre <laughs> just so much is going on 
But I mean, they they really wanted to flex their stat cast. They uh yeah, David Arquette. I mean, Billy Zane. They they definitely had the the money to just throw around for for a good cast. So yeah, going back to the world a little bit, the characters as you are racing, you can like build enemy. Like if you push somebody in a race, they'll remember you the next race and they'll be your enemy. Mm-hmm. So you've got those rivalries. What shortcut scenes there are, you've got. And then personality. I feel like you didn't get a ton of that, but did that add anything to the game? Did that help at all? Or was that just all background? No, I mean, it was, it's definitely, it's background, but it did like make the game stand out. And I think that's why I like it so much too. I think that the characters do add more than you would think based on how simple they are. And I'm thinking, you know, with all this voice talent they got how long do you think any what's the maximum length any of these studio sessions could have been because everyone's got like at most eight lines i mean there's very little material in the way of the characters and yet they do all feel sufficiently different from one another in not only look but in the kind of attitude they project there's the weird like there's uh, i think it's billy zane's character who's like a buddhist and (laughs) and he sings about buddha as he's snowboarding buddha 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 (laughs) (laughs) there's my favorite character mac who's not played by one of the stars but Mac has great cocky lines like, I got the skills to pay the bills. And his first name I found out is McKenzie. Ah, and I also found out that he's apparently 15 years old. Wait, what else did you find out? There's one key piece of information you're leaving out. Very vital information. Which? If I needed a donor. Oh, he has type AB blood according to (laughs) SSX Wiki. Someone decided that this video game character has AB blood. (laughs) That's wild. Yeah, the characters definitely add a lot to it. Uh, Mac was my go-to as a kid just because, you know, he's very young and cool. And that's what you want in a snowboarding game. And each one has marginally different skill levels. There's like four categories of skill that your person can have. There's speed, there's tricks, there's edging. (laughs) And what's the fourth one? I got distracted when I heard edging. (laughs) Stability. Stability. There you go. (laughs) And, like, Mac is really powerful with the tricks, but Eddie, that's David Arquette's character, he's got all the speed. Everyone's just a little bit different enough so that, theoretically, if you were prioritizing one thing over another, there could be some strategic aspect to the characters. I mostly do it for the good lines. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a little bit of the world going into the mechanics. Was there anything that really stood out about something that felt good in this game? I noticed immediately that it was way more fluid. Sonic might be the only thing to compare it to, where that felt like super fluid 2D graphics. This felt like super fluid 3D graphics. But in terms of the handling or anything like that, did anything stand out? Whenever I would go to like jump and do a trick, I would always like face plant or like land on my back and that would fuck me over. <laughs> Uh, so I wasn't the biggest fan of that, but again, that's just going back to me not really knowing how to play the game properly. Yeah, a big part is if you're doing the race, it's building up speed, but doing tricks will give you a boost, which yeah. will still help your uh, mm-hmm. race time. And then you've got the show off, which is just getting the highest points. And then a, a time trial, which is you really don't care about uh, tricks unless to get that little boost, I guess. But you're really just trying to beat the clock. Uh, in terms of tricks versus racing building up speed versus pulling off a lot of combos you touched on a little bit at the beginning that you didn't care as much about tricks but what what felt the best to do in this game uh definitely the speed aspect of it i again i didn't really care about the tricks until like much later like 
towards the end where we're finishing up. Uh, but apart from that, it was the, definitely the speed. Yeah, it feels fat. It does a good job of feeling yeah. like you're about to fall, even though mm-hmm. it's a pretty on-rails game. Yeah. They also put a speedometer down there so you can see how fast you're going, and apparently you can hit upwards of 75 miles per hour on yeah. a snowboard. Damn, you're what dead. Do you think, you're what do you dead think the average push. speed of a snowboarder is? I have no idea. Anywhere it can't between be more than like twenty miles an hour. Yeah, right? I was gonna say anywhere between fifteen and thirty. Looking about. Snowboarders have a recorded top speed of take a guess. I'm gonna guess ninety based on how shocked you seem. One hundred and twenty six miles per <laughs> no hour. No way. Jeez. Skiers one hundred and fifty seven miles an hour. Oh my god. That sounds really dangerous. <laughs> That's insane. Oh my God. Well, now I'm disappointed in this game. <laughs> you can't even like a break a hundred on this. Just goes to show how much we know the subject matter at hand. <laughs> yeah, like even in a video game, they're like, "All right, let's make them go fast, but let's not get crazy." They're not professional snowboarders. <laughs> uh, so, in terms of the difficulty level, Metal Gear Solid was obviously really hard to get through that opening. Yeah. Um, you mentioned face planning a lot. Did this feel like a, a hard game or just a game that if you stuck with the controls would eventually make sense? I think it would eventually make sense, but it would take a while. Uh, I definitely think that some of the uh, controls were a little bit harder for me. But, yeah. I've never even gone 126 miles an hour in a car. <laughs> yeah, I'm still, I'm still hung up on that. That's crazy. That's insane. I, I've, yeah, I've, I'm just floored. I looked up how fast Sonic runs, and we have our main man, Aaron Dillon, here. Aaron, do you have a guess as to how fast Sonic runs, or do you know? If I had to guess, the man uh, can run at least as fast to break the sound barrier, the whole uh, Sonic Boom thing. That is very sound reasoning. Uh, So you're onto something with the sound barrier. In the comics, he can run up to 15 times the speed of sound. And then in the movies, he can run up to 1,145 miles an hour. I I can't even really wrap my head around that, but it's faster than a snowboarder. So <laughs> in terms of games we've played, Sonic is the fastest. He is also a snowboarder. <laughs> oh shit, he's also a snowboarder. God, uh, Sonic Tricky, SSX Sonic, that would be great. Ooh. So, I mentioned it at the top, but the creator of this game in a making of video, which that's a kind of interesting just technical aspect of this, is that because we're getting into the disc era, they can put like DVD extras on a video game for the first time. So, we played the GameCube version, but the PlayStation 2 version had essentially a behind the scenes of all the different characters recording their lines. They had a lot of extra information, which is one thing that uh, really stood out to people when this game came out. For the GameCube version, they didn't have as much information to put on the disc, but they did have a short making of video. Something's up with my GameCube, I couldn't play the whole thing, but I found it online. And it was that creator talking about how he was selling an experience rather than a story. As a kid, I really remember feeling like I was snowboarding, like just that, you know, you, you buy into the world of yeah. it. Did So it sounds like you had that as a kid. As a kid, yeah, for sure. It Did it come back at all playing today? A little bit, yeah. That's why I even pointed out, like, damn, I miss a cell. Yeah. It, it did, did bring me into it. Yeah, it, it really gives you the feeling that you're carving through it. It even has ice patches, yeah. so you feel the difference in the area. Yeah, I, I think that definitely came through. We should also point out that this is the first game Jose's played that hasn't been on an emulator. So with the, you know, TMNT, Sonic, and Metal Gear Solid, it was basically 
I, I really don't know what ROMs are, but it's like clones of the original game. Okay. And but I I have a GameCube. Uh, it's not my original GameCube uh, that I had when I was a kid. I gave that to my grandmom, and she just had it there for grandkids coming through. But I bought a GameCube just because I missed playing games like this. And so we got the original experience down to glitches and the disc not being red and all the fun stuff that comes with that. Well, let's close out talking a little bit about the music. Uh, the music in this game is great. The sound in general is great. And it had really cool... Uh, the only other game I've heard this talked about is Doom, where based on what the player is doing, the music will ratchet up, wind down, know when to finish, and it'll it'll adapt. I didn't know that went as far back as a game like SSX Tricky. This is the uh, sound, I believe, engineer talking a little bit about the methods that they used uh, to achieve that. We work the track so that you have, like, the um, interactive moments come to life, like the shortcuts, the music kind of goes into down tempo mode, or if you finish the race, it wraps up properly. Uh, SSX has a really, really cool piece of proprietary software. It enables us to actually remix the music in real time, interactively, and uh, do some really cool stuff with it that I don't think any other gaming company is doing. So... I pulled up some examples of what he's talking about. This is an example of the music starting to ratchet up, and you can hear it kind of, like he was saying, go into a down tempo. You can hear it get a little muffled while you're in the air doing tricks, and then based on how you land it, it will kick into two different gears. So this is one example. So then it does that trick, and you lose your combo, and then it muffles while he's doing the tricks, and then this is the flip side of that. So I went ahead and played through two jumps that the character did there. And in the beginning, it muffles, and then it rewards you with the best dopamine hit of all. It's tricky. <laughs> and then it will, like, pulse, and then he does a second jump. And then the song seems to, like, layer itself and just become more full. And so the game's rewarding you with its own soundtrack as you're doing well, which is super cool. And something that doomed it a little bit, too. Uh, That's crazy really how well. much effort they put into into the music, of, into the oh, details yeah. of this game. So, there's some really cool videos about the sound designers behind, like, uh, Mortal Kombat. And just the the foley work that they do to get those bone crunching and stuff. Sound designers are so cool. Yeah. Did the music stand out to y'all at all? Absolutely. I think that this is this is a game that's always felt more immersive than I could explain away because it is so simple. It is you guys have been playing older games, and so from your perspective, working your way up, the graphics are clearly better. But from my perspective, especially as somebody who discovered this game in 2014 or 15, it felt like the graphics are pretty low quality because they were outdated by almost a decade and a half at that point. And still, it feels amazingly immersive. They've done the small things like you mentioned. The graphics do alter the texture of the snow that you're on going from deeper snow that slows you down to ice where you go a little faster. But the the sound, I think, has been, for me, the X factor that really does 
take the immersion to the next level, the fact that it does respond to what you're doing, that the sound kind of reflects and even cues your own emotions as you play it. There's the disappointing noises of defeat if you don't land your trick. If you do land your trick, the music gets louder. There's extra sounds that go on. It becomes, like you said, fuller. And so it does feel like a real-time auditory reward for whatever you're doing. What you see and what you hear match perfectly the whole way through and... I feel like, obviously, a video game without the graphics isn't anything, it's just noise. But I feel like this is a great example of a game where, without the sound effects, which aren't really, like, telling you a story, it's not like there's narration or dialogue going on, it is just music and, you know, sound effects of running through various objects. But that really does just take it to a whole new level that's way more immersive than it seems like it has any right to be based on how simple it is. Yeah, and even things like as you're hugging a curve and you're on ice rather than snow, you get that like Doppler effect of the board carving into the ice and that's it's so clean, especially for a 2001 game. We had a, a couple rounds where Mac was banging his head against a rail and just that great clang sound. Clang sound. <laughs> they can ride the rails and there's mm-hmm, a yeah. good little excurt noise yeah. as it does that. There was the smashing through glass. There's this weird part of the game <laughs> where uh, you can ride through a ha- half pipe with glass barriers at the bottom that there seems to be the only way around them is to ride the half pipe walls. So if you don't, the character just skates through shattering they glass out, windows. They come out of nowhere. <laughs> they come out of nowhere, too, because they're glass, and, you know, they've been rendered to look see-through like glasses. So you just go right through it, and then suddenly there's the sound of shattering panes. There's You can ride up onto fallen tree branches, and there'll be the sound of different little bits of the branches flying off as you yeah. go up the bark. Every texture that you ride on does have a very unique sound, but they merge together very cleanly, and it all merges with the music to become something that's just, again, the only word that can that I can think of to describe it as immersive. Yeah, and even to the the gameplay sound effects, where when you get in first place, it does this like, it does this rewarding sound effect. Mm-hmm. And you're getting the tricky points, you're, you're landing tricks with the music, with the sound. It's just so much happening at once. Yeah, there are off. a lot of layers. There's also the narrator's voice, yeah. who every now and then this deep voice will come in to recap what you've just done. It'll say something like, backside, 180, flip. <laughs> but then every now and then it'll also just throw a little affirmation your way. And what's the best one, Will? The best one is if you land a trick. I think even sometimes when you don't land a trick, when you're just doing your thing, he says, call your mom in the room and show her how great you are. <laughs> it's the little details that really just make this. It really, yeah. And it, I mean, it definitely shows the audience that it was for. But yeah, all, all the sound effects that are going on, just games, especially in the early 2000s, I feel like really tried to capture a cool factor. And SSX Tricky, I think, is one that actually does it. If there is one word to describe this game, it's cool. <laughs> and it is, like, very much 2001 oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which is not cool, but... But, it's but at the time, cool. yeah. 
this this is this checks off all the 2001 cool factor boxes. Yeah. They've got they got sassy back talk from your characters. Everyone's clothes fit really loosely, except for the women, of course, because it's video <laughs> games. Yeah, it's it's definitely doing everything uh, in the 2001 genre real real hard. Well, we're gonna throw it to a break, and we will be right back to round things out on the new player podcast. And we're back on the New Player Podcast. Here talking about SSX Tricky. Let's talk a little bit about the game's reception. So I didn't know this at all, especially not as a uh, ignorant little child, but this is pretty much a clone of the original SSX, which was released as a launch title of the PS2. So it was hard to find, similar to a lot of the other games we've talked about, actually, like Sonic 3 and Knuckles. People just talked about Sonic 3, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Hyperstone Heist. People just talked about Turtles in Time. So we're getting a lot of these, like, ugly stepsister versions of games, mm-hmm. which is cool because uh, we're, we're giving them the love that they should have gotten all along. Yeah. Tricky, a lot of people are just comparing it to the original, especially because we're playing the GameCube version. So people are comparing the GameCube version of SSX Tricky to the PlayStation 2 version of SSX Tricky. Interesting. So the general consensus is that it's a good clone of a great game, but that the definitive experience is SSX Tricky on PlayStation 2. So Metacritic gave it an 87 out of 100, IGN gave it a 7.9 out of 10, and Famitsu gave it a 32 out of 40. And this is a notable review of uh, from IGN. They ranked uh, SSX Tricky as the 95th best PlayStation 2 game. They said... SSX Tricky expanded on what made the first so much fun by adding in flashier uber moves that gave players more versatility while going for style. Racing down slopes was still an option, but in this game the stringing together of wild combos combined with snaggy multipliers and hopping on the shortcuts was addictive entertainment, especially in conjunction with chasing unlocks for each of the game's characters to boost statistics and make for more dynamic play. There weren't many new tracks included in the game, but the returning runs were given a big overhaul to make them at least feel new even if the names were the same. SSX 1.5 it may have been, but it was also undeniably fun and wonderfully replayable. Definitely replayable. So some of the praise for this game was the voice acting was a big one. We saw some of the uh, some of the cast that they had. And even though people compared it to the original, they considered it an update. So, you know, positive way look- of looking at it is that Tricky is an update of the original. Negative way is that it's a clone. Either way, still has a lot of the great elements. Uber tricks were not in the original, and rivalry with other borders was not in the original, and that was in this one. Uh, and then some other praise was the size of the environments, the detail of the graphics, and the trick system. Some of the criticisms of this game was that it was similar to SSX. Apparently there were only two new tracks in this game than the original, but like that original review said, they updated a lot of the of the original tracks. A general feeling seemed to be that the GameCube version didn't get as much attention as the PS2 one, which was like the launch or the, the, the favorite that they were really pushing. Uh, and then based on how the controllers are set up, there are some tricks that you can't do on the GameCube that you can do on PS2 and Xbox just because of the way triggers and uh, and holds or grabs in the game are set up. Uh, kind of wanted to breeze through those because they all really apply to comparisons that we don't have, similar to Turtles in Time. Only having this one, I mean, if I could think of one negative thing to say about the game, it's that it seems like the AI is less, I don't want to say unfair, but when we were racing, I noticed it always left someone in sixth place. Mm-hmm. No matter how bad one of us was doing, it, you, you would be in fifth place. You would yeah. never get to sixth. But then when I was playing just solo, it was so hard to beat the the final level of the AI. So it really seems like they just programmed, if you're doing bad, 
pull the AI back, which I'm sure all games are doing, but this one seemed a little bit more frank. But do y'all have any uh, criticisms or knocks on the game that stood out? Obviously, no. This is, (laughs) in my mind, a perfect game. But like you mentioned, I don't have the comparisons to make. I've only ever played this on a GameCube. And I've only ever played Tricky, and this makes me want to, you know, it doesn't quite make me want to invest in a PS2, but it makes me want to make a friend who has one (laughs) and, you know, test out the original SSX and test out SSX Tricky on that. Because I'll tell you right now, the thought that I'm missing out on potential tricks by playing (laughs) this on the GameCube does not sit well with me. And I would like to see what else they've got in their pockets on the PS2 version. But for somebody who's coming at this blind, not knowing any other iteration of the SSX franchise, past or future, and as somebody who's never played this on another console, it is kind of the definition of like simple being best. It yeah. is kind of the definition of less is more. Yeah. It reminds me of Mario Kart in that way, where it's just, if you've yeah. got, and racing lends itself to that so well, of it's just, people want to beat each other to the goal, make the, the getting there as interesting as possible, and you've got, you've got a good game. And I think racing games, for that reason, are a really great game to bring another person, a person like myself or Jose, who's not experienced in gaming to bring them in to that world racing is the most straightforward of competitions who gets to the finish line first everyone understands it right away you don't need to explain why somebody should care about what they're doing here Mm -hmm. you know as soon as you start because you see the little checkered start line, and everyone knows what that means. It means the competition's on. And like Jose, when I first started playing this game, the racing aspect was what I focused on, the speed getting to the bottom fastest, because that's what's most intuitive. And then the more I played it, the more I began to want to focus on the tricks, because that's what made this different than other racing games. Um, but I feel like for welcoming a stranger in, you can't do much better than that really simple, straightforward format, whereas something like some of the more complex games we were talking about at the very top of the show, something like Horizon or Skyrim, are the kind of things where you don't immediately know what the point of what you're doing is when you start. And it takes a little while for you to realize where you are, what you're doing, and most importantly, why any of it matters. Whereas this is something that all of that is just superficially apparent to anyone immediately. Much like Mario Kart, much like a Super Smash Bros, or I think any kind of like racing or fighting game is really friendly to an outsider because of that. That's crazy. I, I had not thought about it that way at all. But, like, now that you're saying that, it makes sense. That's why I'm, like, I'm into, into this game. Well, wow. Yeah, the racing gets you in the door. Mm. How far apart from each other did those uh, two come out? SSX came out in 2000. SSX Tricky came out in 2001. So, okay, and so right like, what, back. how many, like, how much differences are there? Like, is there... Not a ton. Um, even, like, in terms of the actual gameplay. Mm-hmm. It seems like not a ton. Um, they say that they added Uber tricks. So... 
based on what I can tell, it seems like they just improved on an already good formula okay. because Uber tricks are such a good, the, the reason to do tricks, at least in this game, is you get a boost. So it was probably the same in the original, but they add the element in this game, which is you do tricks to build up a meter. You build up your meter to do Uber tricks. You do Uber tricks to get, to spell out tricky and then get a boost to the rest of the game, which is a great feedback loop of all you're doing is really going faster unless you're yeah. in the show off mode and then you're getting more points. But the and especially all the sound that we were talking about earlier and everything the game is doing is just give it it's kind of like candy crush it's just giving you all that brain goodness that you want to keep doing it and you want to get uh, better at it over and over so i think it what this if this game is 10 i think ssx would have just been like eight in terms of all of that being dialed up mm-hmm. um i did play ssx 2012 on the xbox 360 and i remember they tried to go a little bit darker even in the original trailer um, and so much of Tricky, and what I would imagine the original one is, is that light, super silly, super weird kind Dr. of Howe tone. Is like, is like, Matt got a drug problem the, or something. <laughs> from what I remember, the trailer is like an avalanche. And so they're oh not, my God. they're not just like rivalry racing. They're trying to survive. <laughs> That's brutal. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely. That's kind of cool though. That's kind of cool. I remember liking it, but it feeling a lot different than Tricky. Yeah. That's, it's a hard tone to imagine. Yeah. And is it, it same characters? Mac too? is definitely in Mac's it. Mac's still there going I think like, they bring back <laughs> skills to pay the bills. <laughs> he's 16. He's Avalanche. grizzled. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, he's aged. Huh? <laughs> no, I think they bring back Elise. I think a lot of the characters just keep coming back. And they also had SSX3 in 2003, SSX on tour in 2005, and then SSX Blur on the Wii. Well, wrapping up. So you didn't like Marvel or Martin because we're not on a first name basis with Martin's first name. <laughs> Uh, to give you some context, D-Live, for each game we've been looking, we started out with, is it art or is it mindless entertainment? But the art thing got too heady, the mindless entertainment thing got too unfair for games, because they're more than just mindless entertainment. So then it was South Park or Parasite, because South Park is fun and can be artistic. And Parasite, I guess his art was the idea behind that. And then we said Marvel or Martin, because of Martin Scorsese's comment on Marvel movies aren't art. Jose wasn't comfortable calling him Martin, so <laughs> today... You should call him Marty. That's, I, I think that's what people call him. Hey, yo, Marty. Marty. <laughs> I heard that he calls Robert De Niro Bob, and that's weird. Yeah. That's I, weird. I think a lot of people call Robert De Niro Bob from interviews. Really? Yeah, but it, that, that, that's after he, he came out and said that. Before, I, I, all of a sudden, I see comments like, Bob De Niro. I was like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> what, since when? <laughs> yeah, that, that one throws me off. Uh, but this time, Jose, I ask you, is this more Scorsese or Stark? Oh, I see, I see what you did there. Okay. I gotta have alliteration. Um, I'd say more Stark. Yeah, yeah. me too. 100%. Yeah, more I think Stark it's... towards towards the end game. Not towards the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Dead? <laughs> yeah. No, it... more, more Disney-fined. More, uh, okay. more like... Mass appeal. And quirky and mass appeal, yeah. And... That's funny you say that, because... Do you know anything about EA, Electronic Arts, who are them? Uh, I know the company, but what about them, though? They're hated by, like, you know, quote, the gaming community. And they're pretty much, I think, the Disney of the gaming community, I think, is a pretty fair comparison. (laughs) So that actually makes a lot of sense. Because they do all the sports stuff, right? Yeah. they It's all, like, the same fucking shit formula over and over and over. Madden, yeah. How many basketball games can you release? Yeah. Like, how many? So, I use a website called how long to beat, figure out how much, how long each of these games beat. 
This game, according to that site, takes 11 and a half hours to beat. And if you're a completionist, it takes 43 and a half hours. I don't know where they're getting those numbers from. Because a game like Red Dead Redemption 2 would probably take you 40 hours or something. So I don't know what... It's got to be wrong. Unless they're thinking you unlock literally every single thing. That must be what they're thinking. Because I don't understand otherwise what are the metrics for completing this game. Because to me, even having this game on the time to complete list is strange. Because it isn't a beginning to an end yeah. game really the you you don't need to unlock any other characters if you don't want to i suppose mm-hmm, right i suppose that the game is complete the moment you get it in that sense and so i think the only metric i could possibly imagine there being is unlocking all the characters and then you've got the boards and the outfits right. that you can also unlock so i'm curious what is the difference between the 11 hours and the 43-hour metrics? Huge like, jump. What, is, what is that first threshold of completion? Are they saying it's 11 hours to unlock all the characters or 11 hours to complete all Maybe the different like, runs? Oh, yeah, yeah go all the shortcuts. Got all the short... Yeah, because there are... I mean, there are multiple courses, and each course has some different ways you can go down it with shortcuts. But, but I don't then, really takes understand. Five minutes. Yeah, yeah, I don't really understand what complete means in the world of SSX Tricky. I don't either. So, the way I'll rephrase this, instead of, would you play a 43 and a half hour snowboarding yes. game? Yes. <laughs> we know, no more. We know Michael Jordan would. <laughs> instead, I'll ask... There's 12 characters. It starts, we currently have unlocked, I think, three or four. Did you like this game enough to unlock all the characters, which would be getting a gold in each major race? I like it enough, but I don't know if I would. I would, again, this would be one of those games that I'd pick up every once in a while and just play for fun because it's a fun game to play. And if I unlock something cool, if I don't, it's going to be there. Like how we played it as kids, which is... Definitely, I think, the the way that yeah. will keep you coming back to it longer rather than just sinking 40 hours, I guess, mm-hmm. into this game and trying to, like, squeeze it for all it's worth. And I feel like this game is, that's what it's supposed to do. It's yeah. supposed to be one of those games that is just, like, you come back to it pretty often. Definitely. We, we were pretty close to that whole arcade scene when we were talking about TMNT and Sonic and then got away from it with Metal Gear, which is very home console-y. But Tricky feels like a back-to-that-arcade yeah. kind of vibe. Sure. Uh, and doing it really well. So on our ranking list, we've currently got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Hyperstone Heist at number 5, Sonic 3 and Knuckles at number 6, Metal Gear Solid at number 7, 1 being the best, 10 being the worst. Where would you put SSX Tricky? I'm going to put it at number 4. It's a, it's a new best one for sure. All right. So still leaving room for the modern games, but definitely the best that we've played so far. Yeah, and and I'm glad that we got one in that, you're, that you've played before, yeah, just so to nice. get a little bit of that familiarity. Awesome. Well, uh, Eli, I think we know the answer, but are you playing anything right now? No. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Alrighty. Any uh, any other comments? Anything anybody wants to shout out, put out there? Or? Are you playing anything right now? Uh, same game as last week, Cyberpunk, but cool. nothing too, too much. Aaron, same stuff as before. Uh, beat Yakuza. I've, uh, I've moved on to uh, Deathloop. Ooh. Tons of fun with that one. That would be a, a fun one for Jose to get into at some point for like a... Uh, that's Hell season yeah. two. <laughs> What's that one about? Uh, basically, you're on a on an island, 
and your character doesn't remember exactly why he's there, but the, the, the goal is to assassinate, I want to say it's like five, five or six different, like, diplomats, but, like, you're given free reign on how to do that. You're also fighting uh, an opposing force who actually, in the course of the game, could be taken over by another player if you're playing online. So, basically, they're trying to kill you. You're trying to kill uh, these other people to, like, break the loop. But otherwise, every time you die, it just resets. So, it's sort of... Uh, you have to kind of memorize patterns of, like, what people are doing at what point in time. And you can just kind of... Yeah. Is that the one where he, like, wakes up? There's, like, a like a lighthouse and then a boat. He's, like, on a boat and you're, like, rowing. Or was that a... Am I confusing you with Uncharted? Oh, I think that I think that was Uncharted. Oh, okay. Wait. But he does wake up out of each. So. Could you be thinking it of Bioshock? Like... Did you ever play Bioshock? I think that's what I'm talking about. I played the beginning part of it. Huh. I don't know. Too many games starting start in boats <laughs> lighthouses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw Deathloop on... I assume you got it on the PS Plus. Yeah. Uh, I saw it on there and downloaded it. And I downloaded Death Stranding. That's the game pass kind of thing where you just download a ton of games and I'm like, I'll get to them someday. But yeah, Deathloop seems really cool. Awesome. Well, that was, uh, that was SSX Trickia for all I need to hear. And we're going to we're gonna leave it at that. Eli, thanks for joining us. That was a great comment. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Always appreciate a console to use. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll get a PS2 just for you. Just to get you back from Oregon. <laughs> yes! <laughs> now I can finally see those extra tricks Max got stored in his back pocket. <laughs> Those extra bills he's paying. And uh, Jose, I'm glad we got a, a really good one with SSX Tricky. Same here, man. Thanks, you guys. Appreciate you. All right. We'll see you next time on the New Player Podcast. Later. Peace. I was not going to say it on the pod. This game released like uh, three months after 9-11. So. When the world needed it most. <laughs> It's, it's, you know, it's the same energy as Animal Crossing releasing at the, when COVID started, True. right? True. Yeah. <laughs> and I have a theory that Halo 1 did so well because it was released, like, literally the same month or something as 9-11, or, like, within a month. And you're shooting aliens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Talking about the dynamic music, uh, Halo also did that. Uh, it would evolve, like, as ah. you progress through the level, it would sort of uh, interact with kind of where you were at in this yeah. stage. I guess that makes sense that it would be around late 90s, early 2000s that that would become a thing. Maybe even sooner, but it just seems... Maybe it's just because how little I know about music, and especially interactive music, that that seems revolutionary to me. All right, let me do the quick Audacity restart so we can record. And then this will be the last... What am I thinking of? Ice Age. The last melon. Yo, that movie turned 20 years a few days ago. The last melon. Gross. What's the last melon? Uh, it's from Ice Age with oh. the dodo birds. The last melon. That movie is <laughs> so fucking good. It's so amazing. It's sad, too. It's mm. intense with the yeah. uh, the kid and the mom. You gotta rewatch this shit. Well, I think I only ever saw the first Ice Age. Really? Oh, the sequels are pretty good, too. I should yeah. check them out. I should check I them out. the last one, but... And then Disney owns them now. They did like a Disney original with mm. one of the characters or something. But what happens mm. they, they, they suck up Fox. Yep. Yeah. Spinoffs and series. Mm-hmm. All right. And we're back.